0: Good morning, if you have your Bibles or you Version, whatever you use, turn to Jonah chapter two. And while you are turning there, I wanna say good morning and welcome. Uh, if you're joining us from Fredericksburg, we are so glad you're here. If you're joining us online, on vacation, wherever you happen to be, or here at the Stafford campus, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Adam, and I am your new lead pastor, and I am so excited to be here. Um And my wife is joining me, Um, my wife, Kristen, you'll get to meet her a little later, and then our boys, Emerson and Micah, and man, we are just diving into Stafford. We started school this past week, and it is going great, but we are excited to be here. Um, I do want to take a moment, though, before we kind of dive into today's message and just kind of acknowledge that over the past 14 months, you guys went through a process of looking for a lead pastor, and there was a group of elders and a search team that was really involved in that. And I just want you to know, that team, those elders and that search team, they are some of the most humble, spirit-filled people I've ever had the privilege to meet. And I think um, their patience, uh, just 14 months is a long time. And so, man, we are excited to be here. And so if you are joining us for the first time, I want to say welcome. It's my first time too, so we're on the same page, right? Uh, But if you're joining us for the first time, we are in week two of a series titled Jonah. Jonah. And what we are doing is we are looking at an Old Testament book, the kind of the first half of the Bible, for those of you that might be unfamiliar, written by a guy by the name of Jonah who was a prophet. Now, just so we're on the same page, the word prophet, basically what that means is Jonah at its simplest form, a prophet was somebody who proclaimed a message that God had given them. And so what we see in the entire Old Testament, all 39 books, is that there are quite a bit of prophets through the years. In fact, of the 39 to 40 books we see in the Old Testament, almost half of them are prophets, people who are proclaiming some sort of message that they have heard from God, received from God to a specific audience, usually the the Israelites, um, usually around a certain situation, a certain circumstance, and a certain context. Now, most of these prophets, in fact, I would say the majority of the prophets that we see in the Old Testament, people adore. They might have not adored them in that moment because they came in proclaiming, you know, destruction and doom if people didn't repent and turn. But looking back on them after thousands of years of history, we see these prophets and we say, man, these men were bold. They were courageous. These men were on fire and passionate for God. And when God told them to do something, they didn't. There was no hesitation, no stutter step. They dove right in. All of them except for Jonah. Jonah is a little bit different. Jonah kind of gets a bad rap at times because Jonah, um, as you might've found out last week if you were here, Jonah is not necessarily the most obedient prophet. In fact, Jonah has been labeled through the years as the disobedient prophet or the running prophet or the prodigal prophet because Jonah heard, he had a command from the Lord to go do something and Jonah just flat out said no. Can I be honest with you this morning? I think that's why I like Jonah so much. I see Jonah and I see a prophet who was very human, a guy I can relate to. I see a prophet who thought his way was better than God at times. I see a prophet who thought, you know what? I know what's best, so I'm going to do what's best. I see a guy who misunderstood God at times. He thought he knew what God wanted and he was frustrated when God didn't do what he's supposed to do. I see a prophet who seems to struggle and make mistakes the same way I do. Maybe that's why I like him so much, and maybe you're on the same page because it feels like when I read Jonah, when I look at Jonah, I see a little bit of Jonah in us all. And so last week in the first chapter of Jonah's story, for those of you that were here, we saw him run. That was the essence of the story. Remember, God told Jonah to go and do something. Jonah 1-2 says it this way. God says, go to the great city of Nineveh and what? Preach against it. God, gave it. God gave Jonah a very clear command. You are to go and do something. And Jonah said, no, time out. I'm out of here. No way. And what's funny is the Ninevites, the people, they were the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. And so you can imagine, the, they were known all throughout the Middle East, the known world at the time, for their brutality. They were oppressive. They would just would torture people. They would hurt people. They would kill people. They would come in and ravage cities and just destroy things. And so you can imagine for Jonah, the idea that God is telling him to go into this foreign country, this foreign city, and to preach not for them, but against them, Jonah's a little bit afraid, a little bit scared. At the same time, too, though, the Israelites and the Ninevites were kind of like sworn enemies, And so Jonah, I suspect, knows God's behavior. He knows God's personality. He knows that God is a passionate God who pursues people relentlessly and loves them over and over and over again. So when God tells Jonah to go and preach to them, I think in the back of Jonah's mind, he knows that the Ninevites are probably going to turn to faith. And Jonah doesn't want them to turn to faith because he thinks they don't deserve it. He thinks he knows better. And so Jonah instead of hopping on the next camel to Nineveh, takes the first boat he can find to Spain. He runs. I think there's a little bit of Jonah in us all. We're runners. In our heart, we run. And here's the thing about running, a couple things. You can always find a boat heading in the wrong direction. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like, we all know that friend or that person That when the choices we're making, the destructive path we're heading down, and everyone around us is telling us, no, that's crazy, don't do that. There's always that one person that's like, yeah, man, you just, you be you, you do you, go for it. It's okay, ignore their voices. You do, take care of you what you need to do, because it'll be okay. You are in charge of yourself. We can always find a boat that's taking us in the wrong direction. And the other thing is this when we run from God, it always gets progressively worse and worse and worse. Think of it like a funnel. We run and it spirals down and down and down, but it's always easy in the beginning, right? For a season, running seems so simple. Think about Jonah. For those of you that were here last week, Jonah makes this decision to be disobedient, to run from God. And what's the very first thing he does when he gets on the boat? He goes down in the hole and takes a nap because it was an easy decision. We see Adam and Eve in the garden, the very first act of disobedience, the very first rebellion against God. And what did they do the moment they ate that fruit? They went for a walk in the cool of the afternoon because disobedience sometimes starts in a very simple and easy way, but it progressively spirals down from there. And that's how we ended last week, the verse, the verse 17, the, the last verse of the chapter, it says this, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. We'll pick up in chapter two this morning. Verse one says this, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Let's pause for a second, because as we read this, there's a tendency to be like, okay, like, Jonah's praying to the Lord, to God. Is this like a word for word transcript? Like is Jonah sitting in the belly of the fish with, you know, like an ink and a feather quill writing this prayer down with her about the waves and everything? No, no, this is Jonah years later, moments later, reflecting back on his experience, what happened in the way or the fish, right? He, he's looking back at the prayers that he prayed because we can imagine, maybe I'm assuming this, but if Jonah's in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights, he doesn't say just one prayer. He's probably praying nonstop over and over. Maybe he's beginning with angry prayers. He's beginning with sad prayers. Wherever he gets to, this is the prayer he gets to. And this is how he remembers and reflects on it. Verse two, he says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you, God, listened to my cry. Let's pause for a second, because there's a couple words I think that help us understand what Jonah's trying to say here. And the first one, that word distress. In the Hebrew, it's the word sarah. Will you guys say this with me? Say sarah. Yeah, so sarah is a feminine noun, a feminine verb of a a male word that talks about distress. It talks about pain. talks about uncomfort and affliction. But it's interesting, most of the time that it is used is when talking about childbirth. So it's referring kind of this tight, cramped space, this, this space where there's a lot of pressure and everything is difficult and hard. And so what Jonah's saying in this moment is he's saying, in my distress." In my tight position, in my cramped space, in my dark, smelly mess, I called to the Lord. And then he says this phrase, the realm of the dead. And it's the Hebrew word sheol, which we see for grave and hell multiple times as it's translated. So put this all together. What's Jonah saying? He's saying, in my pain, in my uncomfortableness, In my tight place, in the mess that I created, I called out to God and he answered, from the depths of hell, from the place where I knew I was so far from God, I called out and he listened. I wanna ask you a question this morning. How many of you today, right now, are in the place that Jonah was then? Jonah says in this mess he created, the place where he feels the furthest from God, the place where he's made so many mistakes, where his, his guilt and shame is so overwhelming, it feels like he's never going to get out of it because his actions have been so wrong because he has run so much. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you've been running from God and you feel like you are in this tight space You've been running and everything is closing in around you and you are suffocating and you feel alone and forgotten. Maybe you are angry and frustrated because you thought you were doing what God wanted. You thought you were obeying his voice, but it seems like everything you try fails and fails and fails. And so you're just frustrated and you feel like nothing is going right and everything is closing in and it's tight and it's constricting and there's pressure and everything is hard and difficult. I don't know what's going on. Maybe you've been going to church your entire life and you're in a season feeling that right now. Maybe this is the very first time you've ever come to church because a friend invited you and it's like God is speaking right to you, and you're feeling this right now. Here's what I wanna say to you. Take a look at verse two. Listen to this. It says, in my distress, I, I what? I called to the Lord and he what? He answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. Church, don't miss this. The God of the universe, the God that created each and every one of us, the God that sustains us, The God that in his mercy and in his grace allows us to wake up each and every day and take a new breath because he wills it and desires it. The God who that we will one day all stand in front of and proclaim either him or ourselves as we recount the deeds of our life. That God, when Jonah did what? When he cried out, what did God do? He answered him. Why? Because he cares about his people, even in the midst of their rebellion and running. No matter how far. No matter how long, no matter how much we've been running, he answers. Here's this guy, Jonah, who is just as much human as you as I. God asked him to do something and he said, no, no way, not a chance, I'm out of here, I'm going the opposite direction. He chose his own wants and own desires like you and I every single day, not what God wanted. He chose to be selfish, he chose to go his own way, he chose to be disobedient, he chose to run. And so God sends a storm to get his attention. And Jonah doesn't even care about that because he just keeps running. And as an act of love, don't miss this, as an act of love, as an act of grace, as an act of mercy, as a gift from his loving father, God sends a fish to swallow him up so that he will finally be able to get his attention. And that in the belly of the fish is when Jonah cries out. And maybe, just maybe you've been running and running hard, ignoring God, but this morning, You find yourself in a tight spot, an uncomfortable place with pressure and difficulty and danger. Maybe, just maybe, I don't know for sure, but maybe, just maybe that is the place that God has ordained and orchestrated for you so that he can finally get your attention and you call out to him and stop running. Listen to Jonah's prayer, verse three and six. It says, listen to what Jonah says. I love this. You hurled me into the deep. He doesn't say the fishermen hurled him into the deep. He's acknowledging that God is in control in this moment. He says, you hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me all your waves and breakers swept over me. Not the waves and breakers, but God's waves. God is in control of even the sea that is swallowing him up. All your waves and breakers swept over me. And I said, listen to what Jonah says, I have been banished from your sight. I, I, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters have threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed is wrapped around my head. Just think of the chaos that he's probably feeling in this moment as he's sinking deeper into the water. Right? It says the deep surrounded me, the waters engulfed me, the seaweed is wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, you brought my life up from the pit. Man, notice that last part. If you're like an underliner or a highlighter or a note taker, that last part of verse six, don't miss, this is powerful. It says, but you, God, you brought my life up from the pit. Yeah. Man, this is really cool. Don't, don't miss this. If, you, if you've been tracking with Jonah for us the whole way, listen to this. Up until this point in the story, everything in Jonah's life has been down. Jonah went down to the boat, to Tarshish. Jonah, Jonah went down in the hole of the boat. Jonah went down in the water when they threw him over. Jonah went down into the belly of the fish when he got swallowed. Everything in Jonah's life was down, 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 but God brought him up. Some of you right now, you feel like your life is spiraling out of control and it is going down and down and down and down. Can I just beg with you to remember those but God moments? When it feels like your sin is overwhelming and you're never gonna get past it, but God. When it feels like your marriage is ending and no matter what, there's no separation, but God. When it feels like your children are falling apart and you're worried about them over and over and over again and there's no solution, but God. When it feels like the doctor tells you there's no hope, you might as well plan for the end, but God. There are moments in life where we think everything is falling and it's going down and down and down and down, but God. God, Jonah is at this point in his life where there is no escape. Death is imminent. In verse seven, he uses the phrase, it won't be on the screen. He says that my life is ebbing away. He had hit rock bottom. He had nothing to offer. He could do absolutely nothing. There was nothing he could do to get out of this mess he created. He was stuck and everything was going down and down and down and down. And what does he do? He cries out to his father, God, and God brings him back up. Now, here's what's important. What does he cry out? Look at verse nine with me. Jonah cries out, salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation doesn't come from Jonah. Salvation doesn't come from you and I. Salvation doesn't come from us working hard enough to please God. Salvation doesn't come from us doing enough good things in life. Salvation doesn't come from us not doing enough bad things in life. Salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, who 2,000 years ago was sent to earth to die on our behalf. He bled for us and was crucified for us so that you and I one day could look at him in all of his glory and all of his splendor and proclaim that we are not worthy, that we are sinful runners, but salvation comes from the Lord, and then he will bring us up no matter how deep and down we are. And it is in this moment that Jonah exclaims this from the belly of the fish in the midst of the mess that he created more clearly than he has ever probably proclaimed it in all of his life. And what happens? Verse 10, look at this immediately. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Don't miss this. Wherever you are this morning, whether you are watching from the Fredericksburg campus, whether you are on vacation watching us online, whether you here in the Stafford campus, wherever you happen to be, when we cry out to the Lord, when we proclaim that salvation comes from him, wherever we are, he answers because he answers even in the belly of a fish because God is good. Verse 10, listen again. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And immediately afterwards, verse 3 we're 1, we're gonna peek into chapter 3. We're gonna get there next week, but 3 1, because it's important. Immediately after he proclaims this, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Don't. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. It's the same thing. Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach against it. Jonah, be obedient. Jonah, listen to my voice. Jonah, Go and do this that I'm asking you. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Listen, some of you really need to hear this today. Our God, my God, your God, he is a God of second chances. We live in a culture where second chances are rare. We live in a culture where if you make a mistake, you're done for. You are defined by your past, not your future in our culture. When you mess up, people say, that's it, it's over. You've gone too far, you've done too much, you've crossed the line, you've overcome, whatever happens to be. We live in a culture where there are no such thing as second chances, but God is a God of second chances. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, man, Adam, you don't understand, like I, that's great but I, you don't know what I've done. Like I, I've messed up a lot. I've I've dropped the ball. I've I've crossed the line, I've gone too far. I've, I've done the thing that I thought I would never do. I, I've done the thing that's unforgivable. I've just over and over again, repeatedly gone too far, messed up over and over and over again. You don't know the baggage, the shame, the guilt. You don't know the mess that I carry inside. You don't know how long I've been running. You don't know how far I've been running or how far, and you just don't know, Adam, let me just say this. Join the club. Every single one of us in this room has messed up. Every single one of us in this room has gone too far. Every single one of us in this room has crossed the line we never thought we would cross. Every single one of us in this room has done something we regret and look back on with shame and guilt, knowing that we never should have done it in the first place. Every single one of us in this room has run far and wide from God. We've all blown it, but God. Romans 5, 8 says it this way, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In the midst of our rebellion and disobedience, Christ pursued us. In the midst of our rebellion and disobedience, Christ chose us. In the midst of our rebellion and disobedience, Jesus chose to love us, even when we were running. Maybe, just maybe, you're here this morning and you've been running full speed. Maybe it's time to stop. Let's pray. Jesus, we are thankful for the picture of Jonah. God, we, we confess that so many times in our lives, we are Jonah. That we think we know the answer, that we think our way is best, that we know that you're not always right. And so we run, we disobey, we find a boat heading in the wrong direction. This morning, God, we confess that it is not until Jonah let go and proclaimed that you are the salvation, that he was brought back up. This morning, maybe you're here today and maybe if you're being honest this morning, the concept of having a relationship with Jesus is foreign. Because honestly, you've just been doing your own thing living your own life, going your own way, making your own decisions, doing whatever it is that you think best fits you because ultimately, if you were to actually voice it, you would say that you are your own little God. You are your own little king because you are in charge and no one else can tell you what to do. And can I just say with all the respect and love that I can have in this moment, you make a really bad God. You make a really bad king and you will find yourself deep in the middle of an ocean in the belly of a fish if all you do is live for yourself. But there is a God by the name of Jesus who 2,000 years ago, he died in your place to forgive you of your sins so that even when you mess up even when you make mistakes he is there welcoming waiting for a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance over and over and over again and maybe you're here this morning and you need for the first time in your life to cry out to God and say salvation comes from the Lord as we continue praying if that's you this morning you want to give your life to Jesus would you just slip up your hand right where you are Let's all pray this prayer out loud. Father God, I am a sinner and I need you. Jesus, come into my life, save me, make me new. Jesus, I love you, amen. If you raised your hand, we have a prayer team who would love to talk with you here in a little bit. Or for the rest of us, as we um. Maybe you're in a spot right now and you're running and it just feels tight and there's pressure and stress. I love the fact that God needed Jonah to go into that fish for Jonah to be the prophet that God wanted him to be. And maybe, just maybe this morning, you need to spend some time with someone and just pray. Maybe you're in the middle of a fish, the middle of a belly and you need to talk to God We wanna create some space for that. As we worship, our prayer team will be down front and you're welcome to come and pray with them. But let's stand and let's worship.